Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cage Talk. I'm Ryan Wall, here with Luke Pastor. How are you today, Luke? Doing well, Ryan. How are you? I'm great. Um, and, you know, Fight Week is finally here for UFC 280. You know, it felt like it was it felt like it was forever ago when this thing was announced. I believe, you know, probably four or so months ago. This stack card, two title fights at the top, three more really good fights throughout the rest of the card. I mean, I I really Luke, I just can't believe this is here. I know. I feel like we've been waiting forever for this card. It must have got announced like six months ago now, but it's finally here. Yeah, it feels like that. Um, and let's start off. We'll we'll start um kind of from. The first uh, intriguing fight, um, and then kind of go back or kind of move on, and lastly we'll we'll get to the main the cone and main event. Um, but let's start with a, a really good fight. It's actually the uh, main event of the prelims. The prelims start at seven uh, a.m. here on the West Coast, ten a.m. on the East Coast, and the main card uh, uh, starts at eleven a.m. here for us, and that is. Uh, 2 p.m. on the East Coast, but yeah, Bilal Muhammad is facing off against Sean Brady in the co- or in the main event of the prelims. I was shocked to see. I, I know. I, I think it's just because spacing. They don't want to have all the good fights, you know, in a row. But you know, these are. This is a, a really intriguing matchup. What do you think yeah, about this? This is a main event. I mean, this fight could easily be on the main event and the main event card. But uh, Sean Brady undefeated. Uh, Muhammad 21 and three. So it's going to be a great fight. I'm really excited to see both these guys fight. I know Bilal's been training with Habib and that team, so that should be interesting to see. I don't think he's ever trained with them before. So No, yeah, yeah. This is his first uh, training camp, and, you know, Khabib will said and will be in his corner for this. And this is number five, Bilal Muhammad, versus number eight, Sean Brady. Um, and this is – Sean Brady hasn't fought in a little bit of time, but, you know, he's another one of these – you know, younger prospects. He he hasn't turned thirty yet. He's twenty nine, um, and he's undefeated, fifteen and zero. And in the UFC, you know, he's five and zero and has looked pretty dominant um, as of late. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of just flying under the radar. He's undefeated, and no one's really talking too much about him. Yeah, I feel like that's just because um, he has a few good wins under his belt, but he hasn't fought the best of competition. I mean, he fought, he beat, you know, Michael Chiesa. Um, in his last fight in November of 2021. So, you know, he hasn't fought in quite some time. I think that's a little bit why people aren't, you know, talking about him. But, you know, he, he's looked dominant besides that. And I personally, I'm just excited for him to, to, you know, take a step up in competition. He's fighting a legit top five guy. Bala Muhammad is, he might not be the most exciting fighter, you know, on the roster, but the guy is on, you know, quite a, a streak here. He's in his last uh, 10 fights, he's won eight of them and has a draw. So, I mean, this guy is, is dominant, Bilal Muhammad. He's got some good wins on there. Damian Maya, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Vincent Luque. Those are three really respectable wins there. Yeah, and he, you know, he fought Leon Edwards in the, you know, the eye poke, you know, by Edwards kind of had this fight stopped there at the apex. Um just you know, a little over, um, a little under a year, a little over a year ago. I mean, but yeah, that was you know, I thought that would have been a good fight. You know, we didn't really get to see those two matched up, but you know, if Bilal Muhammad could get the job um, done here, he could be right in line for you know a welterweight title shot. Yeah, without a doubt. And your boy is from Philly, so what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia sports, I mean, as we know, have been hot as of late. Um, You know, he is from Philly. 
I heard him mention in the uh, press conference. He didn't mention anything about the Phillies, but he did mention the Eagles being six and zero. Yeah, he did. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, he did mention that. Um, he does have a heavy Philly accent, as you can tell. Muhammad was talking um, some shit about you know the city of Philadelphia, um, and yeah, I, I think this should be a a pretty good fight. Um, there are out of all the fight, the five good fights. I think this may be does have a possibility and a chance of being a boring and, you know, kind of maybe go and decision, you know, type of route here just because both guys' styles and both guys have gone to decision as of late. Yeah, that's probably why it's on the prelims instead of the main card, but either way it should be a great fight. Yeah, um, I – this is really tough for me to call. I mean, the line is – the line on a bunch of these fights are really close. This has Bilal Muhammad as the underdog at plus 120 – and Sean Brady as the favorite at minus one forty. Um, how do you? How do you like? What, what would you pick? I I'm mean, part. You go. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm kind of surprised by the line. Honestly, I feel like Muhammad, uh, Bilal Muhammad has faced better opponents, and obviously he's a little bit more experienced. He has a couple more fights, so I'm shocked that he's the underdog. And my pick is gonna be Muhammad. I, I like him to win that fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, he's training with Khabib too, which obviously. You know, very few guys in that could be, you know, family in that camp have lost lately. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go Bilal Muhammad. Uh, personally, I don't think I'm going to bet this fight, you know. But if I had to pick, I'd lean Bilal, Bilal Muhammad. But, you know, I mean, you know, it's two top ten guys. What, whoever wins this fight will be right there in line for Leon Edwards' you know, 175-pound title. Um, so, yeah, any other final thoughts on this fight before we move on? No, yeah, I like Bilal, and a lot of fights on this card are really tough to predict. There are a lot of close matchups. So. Yeah, well, that should be a good fight on the prelims before the main card. And the first fight um, on the main card is another um, fight that should be a close one. It's the second fight of the main card. Um, it's Benil Daryush versus um, Matuyuz Gamra. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but... Um, Gamrot has looked really good as of late. You know, he beat um, Diego Ferreira and Terjakian, um in his last two. Um, he's looked pretty impressive. And then Benil Daryush, I mean, this guy is another guy like, you know, I feel like he's like Muhammad and Brady in the way he hasn't been talked a whole lot about. You know, he's won eight fights in a row. He's beat Tony Ferguson. He's beat um, Diego Ferreira, Drew Dober. Um, and he's just, you know, he's kind of, it seems like he's been lost in the lightweight, you know, kind of hunt for the title. How, what, what do you think yeah, about this? I think some of these guys just, like, end up flying under the radar, whether it's because of their style is not the most exciting. You know, they're not knocking guys out every fight. Or just their personality, like, outside of the cage is not the most exciting, so they don't get the attention that they really should. But, yeah, I mean, another really close fight here. I think the line, yeah, the line is plus 160 for... Daryush and Gamrod at minus 190. So, again, it should be another close fight. Both guys are going to throw down in there. So, Yeah, I mean, Gamrod is the favorite. Um, he's ranked 9. Daryush is ranked 6. Another top 10 matchup, just like Bala Muhammad versus Sean Brady. And in both cases, you know, the guy who's not ranked as high, um, it seems like the up-and-coming guy, the more kind of talked about um, – you know, fighter is favorited to win. 
I, I just don't – in both cases, I don't think either guy in Muhammad and the same with Manil Daryush um, are giving it, being given enough credit. You know, they get the job done. They both are on eight-plus fight winning streaks. And Benil Daryush, I mean, he's been in talk to get a title shot, you know, over the last year. I mean, there was even rumors, and he even thought that he – at one point he said a few weeks ago that he thought he was like the backup fighter for the, for the main event of Charles Oliveira versus Islam um, Mahashev, who we'll talk about that fight later. But the, the, the guy who did get the backup fighter spot is the 145-pound champ, Alexander um, Volkanovsky. We'll talk about all that. Um, but yeah, I think Daryush is really he's because all the guys ahead of him have all gotten title shots. So he's really that guy where if he gets an impressive victory here, I really think he's probably. I mean, Volk seems like he's going to get a title shot if obviously you know hopefully Oliveira versus Islam happens this Saturday. But you know if that doesn't, it seems like Volk's going to be next, and then to me it has to be you know, Michael Chandler and then Benio Daryush. So I think he's in that top three to get a title shot in the future. What do you think? Yeah, I think that fight Daryush and Gamrod is really – the winner of that fight's going to end up getting a title shot either next or if not the fight after that. Daryush probably, if he wins, will get a title shot. And Gamrod, maybe if he wins one more after this, he'll get a title shot. So a big fight for both of those guys. And the Volkanovsky question, that's a really interesting fight if he moves up to 155 to see how he would fare there. You know, he's a little bit smaller than those guys, so I don't know who that would factor in, but... Yeah, it seems like, I mean, it, it seems like all things point to him. He, like, you know, a lot of people say they want to move weights, they want to go up, down, but, I mean, him being the backup fighter, he's weighing in. I mean, we're taping this on Thursday. For, he's weighing in um, the plans for him to weigh in just hours away from right now um, as we're speaking. So, yeah, he's going to go through with that, and, you know, I've been kind of questionable how, you know, he'll do at 155 but you know he deserves it he's on a big you know winning streak he's the 145 pound king right now and he hasn't none of his fights have really even been close yeah he looks really good at 145 so i guess really the only option is to move up to 155 he has really no one else to fight at that weight right now so it seems like the sensible choice yeah well luke uh let's move on and let's talk about um probably the fight that I was most surprised and now excited about on the whole card, um, and one of my fight, my favorite fighters, the most one of the most exciting fighters in the whole entire sport, is Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean O'Malley is back. He's number eleven, but he's fighting the number one guy in the world in the bantamweight rankings. Piotr Jan, um, what do, what do you think about this I'm, matchup? I'm really excited for this fight because obviously. Sh- Sean's last fight was just stopped uh, because of the eye poke with, uh, who was that with? Pedro Munoz, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. so that was disappointing to see because that fight was actually off to a good start. It was really back and forth. It, it, I thought Sean looked pretty good. I, I don't think he looked his best in that fight, but um, I still think he looked good. That, w- that was a big, you know, everyone was talking going to that. He was facing a top 10 guy, and that was a big step up in competition. But this is this might be the biggest step up in competition I've ever seen. I mean, when's the last time a guy outside the top 10 has fought a guy who's ranked not just like top three, five, this is the number one ranked guy in the world. A a guy who some people think, you know, even won his last title shot and should be the champion. 
Yeah, well, it's finally a real test for Sean, and obviously a huge fight for him. You know, if he wins this, then this is the number one contender fight, right? To see who will fight the winner, Sterling Dillashaw. So, big fight for Sean. Yeah, um, I, I think this is a huge opportunity. I really think it's a win-win for Sean O'Malley because, in my opinion, I always give people like this credit, guys that are jumping up and, you know, facing the harder competition and the tougher guys, you know, before maybe it's not like, you know, like you wouldn't think like, oh, his next fight, he should fight. You know, nobody said after Sean's last fight, oh, you know, Piotr Jan, that's a, you know, a natural fit for his next fight. Nobody said that. It's the same thing with Chemayev. Chemayev constantly in every fight takes a big step up in competition without too much experience. But, you know, like I said, I wasn't super impressed with Sean's last performance. Um, but, you know, obviously every other performance besides that one have all been dominant um none of them have been close but yeah this is really difficult but i I think that we'll just say the line so it started as sean o'malley was over a plus 300 underdog when the fight was announced um i see him listed at plus 220 now a little closer peter yon minus 270 he's the favorite but yeah sean o'malley you know has four inches you know in height he has the advantage there um he obviously has a reach advantage of five inches um i i think this matchup you know the experience um you know and all that favors jan but i think the intangibles favor o'malley yeah well obviously the height's a big advantage and he has that advantage over really everyone in that division he's a lot taller than everyone in that division really so you know i I think if he keeps his distance and strikes with jan that's where he's going to win but if jan starts wrestling with him starts trying to take him down that's where he's going to have problems yeah, I mean, I was really disappointed in, in Jan's performance last against Aljamain Sterling. I mean, obviously, you know, Sterling kind of played to Jan's, you know, things he weren't, he wasn't as strong at. Obviously, taking him to the ground, holding him there. But you know, even when they were, they they stood up for a lot of, you know, a couple minutes in, in, in some rounds in that fight too. They weren't just only on the ground. And I just think Jan's striking was lackluster in that. He didn't really take the fight to Sterling. Sterling actually hung in there, and we'll talk about him and you know his you know title fight, co-main event fight um, against TJ a little bit later. But yeah, TJ or I mean Sterling obviously isn't a phenomenal striker. He's mainly great on the ground, and you know I, I don't think Jan exploited that. And um, I mean if if Jan doesn't bring a better performance than that, I mean I think I think Sean can make quick work of him. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think Jan looked too good at all in his last fight against Al Jermaine, all things considered. I thought his first fight when he actually lost by DQ, he looked he looked better against Aljo. Oh, yeah, yeah. That fight, he looked great against uh, Sterling. One of his best performances, I thought. And, yeah, I just think it's going to take a lot to hurt, um, you know, O'Malley. I mean, Sean O'Malley is really he's – a, he's a weird and difficult guy to judge because he hasn't been touched a lot. He hasn't been hit. He hasn't been hurt really in any fight, you know, he's been in besides the one when he like broke his uh, leg, you know. I mean, since then, you know, it's it's really hard to even find any holes in his game because, I mean, he hasn't fought the best of competition yet. But, I mean, you know, you only could judge what you see and what we've seen is just pure dominance. Yeah, his one loss was really kind of a fluke, if you can call it that. I mean, he got kicked in a weird spot in his leg and he couldn't do anything the rest of the fight. Um, you know, besides that fight, he he's won by knockout in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights. Yeah, so. I mean, I think we could both agree this this fight 
I had a, if I had to bet and say that one fight was going to be like a banger and you know just like close to as close as zero percent chance of being you know a bad boring fight i mean i personally i i think it's this one i mean these are two of the best strikers in the sport in the division um and to me i mean i i think this is a quote-unquote like number one contender fight um what do you think about that do you think the winner of this fight is fighting the winner of the main event without a doubt because or the co-main event yeah i don't i don't see anyone else in the 135 division that would be stepping up to fight these guys. Uh, obviously, Jan's already lost to Sterling twice, but who else is there? If he beats O'Malley, there's he's got to be next up again. Give him a third shot. We've and, and you know, before. yeah, and, and it's not really twice. Obviously, the one was a disqualification, so it's technically 1-0, oh, and then the disqualification Sterling. So they do have a, a – they, they obviously, they have a big story, and, you know, that story doesn't seem like it's nearly finished. Um, obviously – depends on what happens there but yeah i mean even if if we look at the side of sean o'malley and this is how i've been thinking when this got announced is that if sean o'malley's taking this big of a chance to fight the number one guy in the world and he beats him and let alone say he beats him in spectacular fashion like a lot of his you know wins have you know came in the ufc i mean how do you deny this guy a title shot i mean i know he's ranked 11th but if you beat the number one guy i just find it hard to believe that sean's uh, and he and he is one of the biggest stars in the sport. I mean, do you, you don't think there's a way they could deny him that title shot, do no, you? No, not at all. He's a huge draw. The UFC loves him. Dana loves him. The fans love him. There's absolutely no reason. There's absolutely no way that he doesn't get a title shot after this if he wins. And uh, I don't know. That'll be that'll be a really interesting matchup if he does end up winning this fight, matching him up against Sterling or Dillashaw. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy because he is such a big star, and it's like. He hasn't even fought, you know, he hasn't even fought of a main event of a pay-per-view or he hasn't fought in a title fight or anything near of that. You know, he's kind of been at the beginning of cards. This is his, he's on the third to last fight. This is kind of, this is the, like, you know, the farthest to the main event he's fought, you know, so far on a pay-per-view, which is good to see. But, you know, imagine this guy in a main event, co-main event for a title. I mean, the, the crowd goes crazy every every single time this guy walks out, you know, steps in the in the cage i mean it's really he really is a can't miss fighter yeah and a lot of people draw the comparisons to connor the way he just kind of came in and like rose through the ranks flew through the ranks and potentially is going to get a title shot so quickly you know he's only 27 still really young got a lot of years ahead of him so even if even if he doesn't end up winning this fight and he doesn't get the title shot next he's still got plenty of time no yeah he does and like i said it's a win-win situation i mean He's going to, at the very least, he's going to come out, you know, and look, if he looks strong, I mean, he'll be in that top five and have another opportunity to get a title shot in the near future if it doesn't happen here. Um, so let's move, let's, or before we move on, um, I've gone back and forth myself about who's going to win this fight. Um, who, who do you, who do you got in this one, Luke? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and say I got O'Malley. I've gone back and forth for a while, but I think I got O'Malley. Yeah, I've been I've been solid and straight on O'Malley as my winner of this fight for the last probably month or so. At first, I was kind of weary, but to me, this is a fight where styles make fights, and you can't look at the odds. I know if you look at the odds, Sean such a is he he is a heavy underdog, and he is I mean out of the top five fights, he's the biggest underdog out of anybody, and I think that's mainly just because. There's the worry about he doesn't have, like, you know, as much experience as Jan. He hasn't fought in a big fight yet. And, 
Yeah, I think that's mostly it. But I think skill-wise, I mean, to put this guy as over a two-to-one underdog is to me is just is crazy. And I think he's got that it factor where he can step up and he can perform under the bright lights. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna go with you, O'Malley. Um, I I really think this is a, a big moment for him, a breakthrough fight. And yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not trying to say Jan's not great because he is great and he'll he, win or lose this he'll still be in the top five of this division this bantamweight division um for the years to come he's not that old but yeah I think this is Sean O'Malley's time on I, I really do I'm rooting for him I really hope to see him break through in this moment because like I said it really will unleash a, a star that you know maybe we haven't seen since Connor in this sport yeah a lot of a lot of similarities to the Connor. Yeah, well, let's move on and stay in the bantamweight division. The co-main event, uh, back-to-back fights are both in the main event, or both in the bantamweight dis- division for the 135 um, pounds. And this, the co-main event is for the 135-pound title. It's Aljamain Sterling. It's T.J. Dillashaw. Sterling is minus 175. Dillashaw is plus 150. Very close um, in this fight. You know, Aljamain Sterling has an inch on him and has four. Um, inches um, favored his way with the reach advantage. Uh, how do you see this fight um, going down, Luke? Well, this one's interesting. TJ has not fought a whole lot over the last couple of years. He's only got you know four fights since 2017, um, obviously with the PED suspension in there as well, and that obviously drew a lot of attention to him. But I don't know. It's a really interesting fight because I'm not exactly sure how TJ's going to fight. Um yeah, but by the way, before I even say how I think this fight could go down, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've seen him this week or the last two weeks, but TJ Dillashaw looks in phenomenal shape. Like, I, I, he looks like in better shape than I've ever seen him. Um, I think he's re- looked really good the lead up to this fight. Um, so, yeah. Well, I was going to say the same thing about Sterling. Um, no, yeah, yeah, him too. Uh, yeah. Sterling, uh, that guy is, uh, is in phenomenal shape too he looks really good and yeah like you said I mean TJ's fought one time he beat Corey Sanhagen it was split decision I thought it was very clear it was unanimous um I thought he dominated uh Sanhagen but you know that was in July of 2021 that was about a year and a half ago almost you know he had surgery uh since then and yeah uh he is getting older he's 36 years of age doesn't look like that obviously like I was saying but you know, uh, he doesn't have a lot of time in the ring within the last couple of years. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that makes me lean towards Sterling on that, just the lack of time in the cage over the last couple of years. But, again, it is T.J. Dillashaw. He's kind of a legend in the UFC. You know, he's beat plenty of big-name guys. So it's not like he lacks overall experience. It's just is he going to be a little rusty from not fighting over the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think this is kind of – a little similar to Sterling versus Jan, and it's whether like Sterling can take it to the ground. And I, and and obviously TJ is better on the ground than um, Jan was, but I mean Sterling has the clear advantage there. And I think and Sterling said after like he was Sterling said he was disappointed in his performance against Jan and said that you know he should have dominated him more. He should have submitted Jan in that uh, second fight when you know he retained his championship. So yeah, I, I'm kind of I kind of think that people are still overlooking it's happening with a few guys, some champions, and people are still overlooking, you know, Aljamain Sterling. Obviously, 
you know, he he won the title, you know, kind of a faulty way, the way of disqualification. The first fight against Jan wasn't his fault, though. The people kind of still, people were saying he was faking it. He wasn't. Then last time, there's people saying that Jan won. Um, you know, fight was boring. But like I always like to say is that it doesn't matter how you get the job done. You got to get the win. And he won. I mean, he's the defending champion, I think. People aren't mentioning that enough. A lot of people just want to pencil in TJ here to regain his, you know, bantamweight championship. And I, I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just overlooking him based on the fact that people don't, quote unquote, see his fights as exciting because he has a bunch of wins by decision, a couple wins by submission, no knockouts. So that's what the casual fans are looking for. They want to see knockouts. They want to see big action. And that's not necessarily what you get from Aljamain. You get a more technical fight, and, he, and he's just going to dominate you on the ground, dominate you by having dominant positions throughout the fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see this fight going both ways. I could see it being exciting, a finish. I could also see it being, you know, more technical, like you said, on the ground a lot. But, you know, I mean, TJ Dillashaw is very rarely in, you know, any sort of boring fight. I mean, this guy is – every single fight he has is, is, is must-see – and I, I think this is probably the, the we'll get to the main event after this, and the main event's gonna be I think it's gonna be really close. It's really close to call, but I think this one, like you kind of said at the beginning when we we're talking about this, is it's kind of might be the closest and kind of just hardest to you know decide who could win this fight just because the uncertain the uncertainty with TJ um, and, and just how they kind of match up. Yeah, both like you said, both guys wrestlers. Dillashaw, D one wrestler, and Sterling actually a D three wrestler. So a lot of people are gonna think, oh, Dillashaw D one, that's better than D three. But you know that was college wrestling. This is MMA. It's two totally different sports. So uh, you can't really compare it like that to me, at least. Yeah, and you know, then again, like this one, kind of like the last bantamweight fight is. There's one guy. Both guys have experience, but in championship fights, I mean, TJ's much more experience in t in in championship fights i mean this is going to be his eighth championship fight um in the ufc which is kind of just incredible to think about i mean what this guy's done obviously his career seems a little overshadowed by you know the ped suspension a couple years ago but he's been in the, the ufc over 11 years now and to, to me i mean i know i know he got you know um, caught with the steroids and everything, but it seems like he's being accountable for it now. He knows that, you know, he did something wrong. He's changing his career, and he wants to come back and, and regain, you know, his title, you know, the clean way. Well, it'll be really interesting to see if we see a total return of TJ Dillashaw. If he wins this fight, is he back? Is he going to come back and defend his belt a couple times, you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see – I'm not saying he has, like a, like, years – left in the sport as i said you know he's going to be 37 at the beginning of 2023 so yeah but i mean he looks like he, he looks good like i said and you know i think if he wins the title i think even if he loses a close fight i mean i still think he'll stick around um because i i think he thinks i mean if we're going by his last fight he looks like he's at the he's a top tier bantamweight still today yeah he did look very good in that sandhagen fight yeah and i this one's just really really close to call um, I, I think I think this is really a big moment for Sterling and for his career because you know this is the first title fight, first fight in you know I believe like two years like away from the Jan stuff. This is a kind of a different chapter. the The chapter with Jan isn't fully closed yet, 
But, you know, this is a, a new chapter, a new opponent. Um, you know, it's in Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, um, big stage. I really think um, that this could be his breakthrough moment to becoming, you know, a, a, you know, a dominant champ. I mean, if he gets a win over him, you know, he beat Jan. Uh, if he beats TJ, those are two really good, you know, championship wins. Yeah, I think it's really just a big chance for him to prove that he is who he acts like and who everyone else thinks he is. You know, he's defended his belt against Jan, and now it's time to defend it against someone else. Yeah, well, um, I'll start off with my prediction for this fight. This is one that might be personally the closest for me to even pick a fighter um, just because uh, it's so close. It's so hard to tell where this fight will go, if it will stay on the feet, if it will be mainly on the ground, you know, Sterling isn't great, isn't a great striker, but he looked a lot better standing against um, Jan, and he continues to keep improving that. Um, as I said, TJ has the experience. I'm gonna go with Aljamain Sterling to retain his 135 pound bantamweight championship. What do you think, Lou? Yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm gonna take Sterling as well, and even Sterling by submission is my is my real pick. Yeah, I wonder what that is on the sports books. Um, that is a pretty good um, pick. He hasn't, you know, as you said, he hasn't, you know, submitted someone in I think his last couple fights. So, yeah, that for sure is a good pick there. But um, yeah, any other thoughts on this? No, yeah, I, I think he's just got to be. I think he's definitely got to be looking for a finish here. He's got to be looking for to at least show some kind of exciting finish to the fight. I don't think he wants another five rounds of just him dominating three out of the five and getting the win that way. I think. Obviously, he's looking for a finish, so submission is probably the way he's going to go with that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's not going to knock somebody out um, there. But, yeah, let's move on, Luke. Um, I, I've been waiting to talk about this fight, and think I've been thinking about this fight for the last few months, and this is just a huge fight. Um, it's the number three-ranked pound-for-pound uh, fighter in the entire world, Charles Dubronx Oliveira, who isn't technically – the UFC lightweight champion because he missed weight, as we know, in his last fight against Justin Gaethje. But by all means and by all accounts, he is the best lightweight in the world. And he's facing um, Khabib's cousin, Islam Mahashev, um, who is the number four ranked lightweight in the world. Um, he's been on a, a just a fantastic run since he's been in the UFC. Um, he's won 12 straight. Um, he's 12 for he's 12 um, and two in the UFC uh, what, what do you think about this fantastic fight Luke well I've been looking forward to this fight for a while now I'm really excited for it but uh, you know there's a lot to unpack here obviously Makachev coming from you know Habib is his coach uh, coming from Dagestan all those guys from Dagestan it's hard to it's hard to bet against them hard to think that they're gonna lose so it makes sense that Makachev is the favorite here, but it's also kind of disrespectful to Oliveira. I feel like he just hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves being the champ. Um, yeah, and l let me let me just run through so people, you know, so you can think about. Obviously, um, as you said, he's an underdog, plus one hundred and sixty. But what he's accomplished on this run is one of the best runs in UFC history. He's has he's on an eleven fight win streak, and let me just run down his last um, five opponents, and, and and everyone could just. And you could think about how great this guy is. He beat, he submitted Kevin Lee. He beat Tony Ferguson in the unanimous decision contest. Knocked out Michael Chandler 
in the second in the early second round, submitted Dustin Poirier in the third round and submitted Justin Gaethje in the first round. Um, he has one title defense uh, as he won the interim title against Michael Chandler, defended it against Poirier, and then was 0.5 pounds over against Justin Gaethje. So he could not um, count that as a title defense as he got, was stripped of the belt. But so this fight is for the um, is for the vacant lightweight 155 pound crown. Um, and I, yeah, I I think Charles Oliveira is he's the third he's ranked third pound for pound. There's a lot of great champions, but I think in his last three fights, it's hard to find anybody anybody's a resume that can compare to what he's done as of late without a doubt just those last three names chandler poirier gaethje to to beat those three three guys three fights in a row is crazy to me um you know those three guys are are known for just having complete wars so we know that Oliveira can go in there and he can beat the guys that can stand and bang all day yeah yeah they're 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 those guys those three guys are most likely three hall of famers too without a doubt without a doubt and like I was saying, so Oliveira, it seems like he can beat the guys that can box. He can beat the guys that can stand up there and strike. Now he's getting the chance to prove that he can beat guys on the ground too. You know, obviously he submitted Poirier, he submitted Gaethje. Neither of those guys are really known for their jujitsu or ground game. Obviously Gaethje was a wrestler, but he's really more of a striker now. And now he's fighting Makachev, who is without a doubt going to take him to the ground. So we'll see how he fares against someone who is known for their ground game. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, the the common person would look at this and say, you know, Islam is Khabib's cousin. He's trained with Khabib his whole life. You know, all that family's, you know, history of what they've done in this sport. But I kind of look at it a little different. I think people want to hype up Islam as, you know, Khabib's cousin. But to me, I mean, you got to look at it like I, I think that's kind of even unfair to Islam because that holds him to such a high standard. And I do think he's a great fighter, but... He's not Khabib. He's not. I, I personally don't think he's close to Khabib. He has a ton to prove to even be mentioned, you know, on that same level. I mean, Khabib was Islam's been finishing guys quickly. But uh, let me just run off some of the guys he's he's fought as of late. Um, so he fought Drew Dober. Uh, he submitted him in the third round, submitted Thiago Moises in the fourth round. And then his last two he submitted Dan Hooker in the first round and knocked out Bobby Green in the first round, which the Bobby, Bobby Green was on, uh, I believe, like one or two weeks' notice for that fight. Um, yeah, so that wasn't really, um, you know, a, an incredible win. And for, to me, I'm just going to say, and it's something I've thought for a while, is I think to be beating Bobby Green to get a title shot is one of the worst kind of wins to get a title shot I've seen in a long time. Yeah, to me that Bobby Green fight really doesn't mean much. You know, you're fighting Bobby Green who took that fight short notice. He was not prepared for that fight. He Bobby Green is not a wrestler either, so it, it, it's a fight that Islam definitely should have won. Um, and then as far as the title shot, I think everyone can kind of agree that I'm sure Habib had some sort of hand in getting him the title shot. Without him, who knows if he would have got uh, the yeah. title shot so quickly. Yeah, I mean, Khabib and that whole family has a lot of connections throughout the UFC. Obviously, we know they, they've trained, you know, DC trains with them. We know Dana is a fan of Khabib and their family um, and what he's done for the sport. So, yeah, I think that, you know, a little bit of favoritism there. But, yeah, I just, you know, 
I think, like I've said, I've mentioned it for a few other guys, taking huge steps up in competition. And I don't think it's being talked about enough how big this step up in competition. He's going from Bobby Green, who, just off the top of my head, obviously Bobby Green's not ranked in the lightweight division. He's probably not going to be a top 20 lightweight in the UFC. I mean, this is the champion. This is a guy who has made easy work and quick work of the guys we mentioned, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, three of the best guys in the world. I mean, I think this is um, this is a huge step up in competition. I, I, I don't think that can be said enough. It's an enormous step up, and he's also never fought a five-round fight. So Oliveira, with all this experience in big championship fights under the bright lights against huge opponents, Makachev just doesn't have any of that experience. So it, when it comes to that, when it gets into the later rounds, that's where I'm going to favor Oliveira. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think you can make a case that Charles Oliveira is the best complete fighter in the entire sport. I mean, this guy is scary everywhere. If you, um, you know, on the ground, standing up, I mean, this guy is really great. He does get hit a lot uh, standing up, but, I mean, I don't think that's a huge problem in this fight because, I mean, Islam isn't a great stand-up fighter. He's mainly... You know, right away, he likes to take people to the ground. And, I mean, I, I think we'll know. I've said this, too. I think that we'll know within the first few minutes. If Islam could take Charles Oliveira down, then I think, you know, it could favor Islam. But if he fails to take him down early, I mean, I think Oliveira can do what he's done to these other guys in the past. Even if he does take him down, though, Oliveira's jiu-jitsu is so slick and so good that he could – slip a submission and I feel like at any point um you know I I just feel like even if even if Makachev does take him down and he does get top control or whatever mount control then either way it, it just Oliveira can pull a submission out at any point I feel like yeah he's such an unpredictable fighter that even I feel like he is a guy I mean we saw it in the you know the vacant title fight when he beat Michael Chandler it's like Michael Chandler dominated that whole first round it looked like he could have been seconds, the, the time ran out in that first round, but it looked like he was seconds away from finishing Charles Oliveira. And Charles Oliveira gets the second round and then knocks, um, you know, Michael Chandler out. So, yeah, I think that he's such an unpredictable fighter. He's exciting. It's it's crazy to see him fight. And, yeah, I think that this is going to be – this is going to be really tough for, for um, Islam to submit him. And personally, I just think – Oliveira has too many tools for a guy like Islam to beat him. Yeah, Oliveira has his every aspect of his game is top tier. Um, his jiu-jitsu is striking. He can even wrestle. And Makachev, I think he's going to struggle with the striking, and he's gonna he's just going to have to wrestle Oliveira. And if he could win the wrestling, then he can win the the fight. Yeah, and I feel like kind of like I said with Sterling, when people not believing him, not thinking he's the true best bantamweight feel like that was the same story with you know with Charles Oliveira you know he he didn't have a great fight before his title fight against Chandler some people didn't think he should have got that title fight you know and then he dominate and then he had the dominant win against Chandler and then you know some people were still doubting him and then you know obviously finishes Poirier some people are still doubting him and then he does it again against Justin Gaethje it's like this guy is just such a big time performer it just seems like he, it seems he's just so hot right now. It's just 
it's it's hard to it's hard to just imagine this guy losing. And it kind of seems like it's gonna fit into the pattern that's already that we've already been seeing. You know, every fight, it's like, I don't know, is Charles gonna be able to win this? Is he gonna, you know, it's gonna be a tough fight for him, and then he wins it with Michael Chandler. And then Poirier, same thing. I don't know, tough fight. Oh, and then he wins it. Gaethje, same thing. So it kind of just seems like again, everyone's doubting Oliveira. Maybe he'll come out and win it. Yeah, I mean, I. I think he will win it. I'm going to pick him. I'm going to say now, this has been, since this fight got announced, I've been locked in. I think, I've been thinking for months that Charles Oliveira is going to prove everyone wrong. All the Khabib, um, all everyone who likes Khabib in that camp in Islam and have been hyping him up, you know, for months, years. I mean, I think, I think that camp is going to, is in for a rude awakening just based on, I, I think they're, from what I've seen them say, I think they're, they're, um, kind of doubting and, you know, overlooking Charles Oliveira and how great he is everywhere. Well, I'm actually going to have to disagree. I think I'm, I think I'm drinking that Dagestani Kool-Aid, and I'm going to have to take Makachev. I just, you know, training with Habib, one of the best ever, that camp, it's just hard for me to, to not pick him there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying um, I think it's going to be a close fight. You know, obviously – he has a key the, like his keys to success are very simple his game plan is the same kind of similar to Khabib and it's really I mean you know he takes people down he's and you know he's he doesn't just take him down like some other fighters he submits them and I mean I'm not saying he can't do that um crazier things have happened it's not crazy I mean Islam's a great fighter but like I said in the end for me it comes down to you know level of competition he's had in the past experience in championship fights which this is his first one um and kind of i i just think that it's hard he, he's he's putting out he's putting a hard spot trying to live up to khabib and i just don't think he's that i don't think he's khabib i don't think he's near khabib i think he's different he's good but i mean i think this is a whole different level of charles Oliveira, a guy who continues every single fight to show people his what he's been improving he shows different stuff his style is unique i mean i think this will be i can for sure say this i think we could agree on this i think this will be this should be a great fight um i i think there will be a finish in this fight too yeah i i definitely think there'll be a finish in this fight i don't think it's going the distance and regardless of how the fight ends it's going to say a lot about i think the future of makachev's career if he wins this fight, I think it could be the start of a huge championship run for him where he defends his belt for a couple fights. Uh, but if he loses, then we have Oliveira, who is probably one of the best lightweights of all time now if he wins this. And, so. and maybe if Oliveira beats him, maybe it'll get it'll get Khabib to come out of retirement, which would be great because, I mean, people are already saying, I've seen Michael Bisping say, you know, that Oliveira is one of the greatest lightweights of all time. I agree. Um, I think if he beats Islam Makachev, if he finishes Islam, I, I think you could say he's the greatest lightweight of all time. I mean, his wins are up there with anybody, even Khabib. Khabib had a great run, and, you know, what stands out is the undefeated record. Um, but I believe Khabib only has two title defenses, three title wins. Um, and obviously, he's he cut his career short and retired early. But, I mean, this would be... You know, this would be Oliveira's, you know, fourth title win, you know, 
second defense. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy stuff there. Just the quality of opponents for Oliveira, I think, is enough to warrant him being the best lightweight of all time. You know, Poirier, Chandler, Gaethje, and then beating Makachev, that's four top guys. You know, that's that's more than could be beat. So it's it's hard not to say that he's the best lightweight if he wins this fight. Yeah, I think that's for sure um, the case there. But, um, yeah, so I'm going Oliveira. You're going um, Islam Mahashev. Um, any other final thoughts on this fight? No. Uh, I like Makachev, and I like a finish before the end of round five. Yeah, some other fights before we go that have been announced since the last time we've recorded is um, the November pay-per-view, um, UFC 281, on November 11th looks pretty stacked. Um, obviously, we know Israel Adesonia versus Alex Pereira. Um, for the middleweight championship um, is at the top of that bill. But Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler um, is the third fight of that card. Um, should be a banger of a fight in the lightweight division. What do you think about that matchup? It's been kind of ongoing, and people thought it's going to happen for kind of years now. Yeah, I feel like we've been anticipating that for a little while now, and it's finally happening. But, yeah, that's going to be an awesome fight. That's another fight where there's guaranteed fireworks. Kapulf guys just throwing bombs every time they fight so really excited for that and then the main card Adesanya versus Pereira that's you know that's guaranteed fireworks as well yeah well um yeah that fight should be um incredible to see but um some other fights that have been kind of announced in the last couple of weeks here um have been UFC 282 um is the December 10th pay-per-view it's in Vegas the main event got announced. It's Yuri Prohoshka versus Glover Teixeira um, for the second time. That, I can't wait for that. That fight was incredible um, the first time around when we saw that. Um, some other good fights that have been added to that card. Bo Nickel, who since the last time we spoke, you know, had another first-round dominant win on the Contender Series, got signed to the UFC, and now is fighting Jamie Pickett, um, a middleweight bout in that card, um, along with Jan Wachowicz versus Magnuman and Kalayev, um in the lightweight division. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? The December card looks pretty good. Yeah, 282 looks really good. That Teixeira Prohaska first fight was fight of the year, probably up until the Usman fight. Maybe that took its place, but either way, a top two fight of the year. And then Bo Nickel is, you know, he looks, he's really exciting to watch. He's someone I'm really looking forward to watching. I think he's going to have a amazing career in the UFC. You know, he has two fights on the contender series and both fights were finished in under a minute. So th that's something you really never see. Yeah, along with uh, you know Hamza Chimaev, he looks to be one of the best prospects and young fighters in this sport. Um so yeah, December looks good um as well. Um I even heard, you know, that Patty the Batty wants to hop on that card. Um it seems like he's having trouble getting an opponent, but if he gets added to that card, that would be unreal. But w what a stretch of these next few months, you know, October, November, this is December. Then January is supposed to be, I don't think it's 100% confirmed, but Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for the fourth time to settle that, you know, rivalry. Um, I mean, what a what a couple months. And I think that might be in Brazil, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be in Brazil. I mean, that, that should be – I mean, those first couple fights have been great too. Yeah. And back to the Bo Nickel, that 170-pound welterweight division really is getting interesting now with Leon, Usman, and – I don't want to get 
you know, too early on him. But Bo Nichols in that 170-pound division now, so. Yeah, I, I think he's just like all – I think he's like Sean – like the way Sean O'Malley, Chemayev, you know, have kind of hopped up the rankings and s- sped their, you know, career path up. I mean, I think kind of Bo Nickel is in that same category. I think I think even like if he has two fights against lesser guys, I think he'll be fighting a top a guy in the top 15, you know, very quickly and then shortly he should be fighting, you know, a top probably 10 guy within the next year, I would say. Yeah, it seems like every once in a while you get these guys that just get fast tracked to the top and he's one of them. Yeah, it seems like the UFC, you know, is in such a good place, especially with young talent. I mean, just to name a few, Hamza Chimaev, Patty the Batty, Sean O'Malley, and now Bo Nickel. Um, there are just so many guys that are really young that are on the rise. Yeah, and it looks like Hamza might even move up to 185 now because he's clearly having problems making 170. Yeah, well, yeah, well, wherever he fights, I mean, he'll be a problem for anybody, and obviously he's probably, to me, my favorite fighter to watch right now in the whole sport. Yeah, and that would be that would make for a, quite an interesting matchup with Hamzat versus whoever wins that Adesanya Pereira fight. Yeah, well, we've discussed a lot today, Luke. Anything else you wanted to add before we we wrap up here? No, I'm very very excited for this card this weekend, though. Yeah, well, this should be a great one. Um, we'll talk again soon. Have another pod after this or after this pay per view. Um, just a reminder to everybody that it is an early card. Main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 um, Pacific time. Um, be sure to give us a five-star rating um, and be on the lookout for another episode, hopefully in the next two weeks. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in.